everyone. Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, here with me as we break down some of uh, the final games of round one, all the, the teams that went to game seven. Um, a little late to the party, I suppose, but Justin, we love being late to the party, don't we? <laughs> There's no other way to do it. Well, when you, I mean, you know, we don't record the show every day, so what are we going to do? Not talk about the game sevens? I mean, just pretend that they, like they didn't happen? No. I mean, also these game sevens do have an impact on the the series going forward. So, so it's worth revisiting and, and seeing what these teams did to to get past round one, and uh, from there, we'll, that'll lead us into round two. And uh, I guess a couple of the games have already happened, but uh, we'll yeah we'll we'll give our predictions for the for the round. We did put them out on Twitter before the round started, so in fairness, those things aren't going to change. Um, so you know we're we were legit. We got it. We like we took the picture, the proverbial picture with the newspaper. Uh, so we proved you know we took it that we did it before the date started. So we're good. Let me ask you, speaking of newspaper stuff, um, do people still do the whole baby thing where, like, they, they give you a picture of the newspaper or the day you were born and frame it and crap? Is that still a thing? Hmm. I've n- I know what you're talking about. Like, and, you know, refresh my memory, but I I know what you're talking about, but I don't, I don't have, I never, I mean, nobody ever did it for us. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I, I know you, of course, you've, you know, for who, those who don't listen to the show on the regular, Mark has two kids who were recently born in the last couple of years. And so, um, yeah, a big baby gift that people, you know, used to give, I guess. I don't know if they do it anymore. Is basically they would show up with like a picture frame where they'd grab a copy of the day's newspaper that, you know, when the baby was born. And then they would give it to you as a gift. And mm. I don't know if you're supposed to hang in the baby's room or sounds or like something that something. goes straight into the garbage or not. Maybe <laughs> not into the garbage, but it definitely goes into a box that like obviously gets seen years later and you go oh wow <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Look at I'll this. be honest I actually collected newspapers from like the whole newspapers I didn't just do clippings back from the 90s and early 2000s when the Red Wings were like winning cups and stuff and then you know I mean I just I have all of them the Detroit Free Press used to have like these inserts yeah. with like the Russian five and, the, and like the cool huge shit. full page picture color pictures of them and yes. stuff yes yep yep I have uh I have one when Gretzky retired. Oh, that's um, a good one. From the, I think the Toronto Star. Okay. Uh, yeah, my I remember my grandpa gave me that one, and yeah, I have a few. I think I have I have one from when Curtis Joseph signed with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big day, and that was that was like really the at the very beginning of like oh the internet you can go on and see news. But like I, I think I was at camp, and my dad sent me a sent me like the news clippings in the mail. I was like, unbelievable! This guy's my favorite goalie in the league. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had no idea how free agency worked when I was like twelve or eleven or right. twelve. I, I feel like at eleven or twelve, if I was a twelve now, I would know how free agency works. But there just wasn't the same kind of. It wasn't as easy to learn that stuff at that age because there was not much of an not much of an internet presence i suppose there was but not not like there is now uh, anyway yeah, i first learned about it when uh when oh i'm sure you remember back 2002 when the red wing signed every superstar hall of famer so yep when they purchased that cup <laughs> for about 80 million dollars which yes sir you know it's fun worth every penny the caps finally caught up with the 2002 red wings no, like right. I think they would, they would uh, finally be over the cap. 
that's how long it took. Crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy when you think about that. Like you think about it's been that's twenty years ago, and they. I'm I'm sure if I look up a 2002 Detroit Red Wings salary. That like you know it's gonna uh, oh they were at sixty five million dollars was I mean that was a lot of money I remember I think it was better off he wanted like eight or ten million bucks and that's why he left to go to uh, to Columbus to Washington oh yeah Columbus that's right you go Columbus yeah 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 but that is I mean that is uh, it's sixty five million dollars that was back in two thousand two you think about how long it took the salary cap to get to that point. I, I could have sworn they were higher. You know what? I'll bet you, I'll I'll bet you that the New York Rangers had a higher salary. I, I remember there was a time when the the Rangers just had such an outrageous team salary. Yeah, here it is. Two thousand two, two thousand three. They were at seventy six million. Oh, well, there you go. See, they. Were, I don't even think the Coyotes still spend that kind of money. <laughs> right, and and that's twenty years ago. That's it's crazy that. We almost still haven't caught up to the spending. I, I mean, we're we're. I mean, obviously there 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 are teams. You know, you're spending more than that in the in the long run. I think right now the Vegas Golden Knights have spent ninety six million dollars on players, but the lowest Buffalo Sabers sixty five million. So there's uh that's that's just the cap hit with like LTIR and all that. Um, okay, well, let's let's dive into round one. <laughs> what we came here for um, those those final three game sevens. Uh, where do you want to start? Which which game seven catches your fancy first? Oh wow! Uh, let's let's go Boston, Florida, because that's the one that I want to brag about the most. Yes, that is true. That is true. And and for uh, I'll, I'll do the, I'll, I'll I'll tee you up because. Uh, it'll make you sound less prideful. <laughs> no, we we like to brag about correct predictions on our show because you know it's it's it. This is a, I mean, Justin, legitimately before the playoffs started, he called the Florida Panthers in seven games, and he you know he said, "Nah, I, I legitimately think that the that the Panthers can win this one. I like I like the matchup, and here here we are." The Bruins are gone, and you were correct. Uh, you stuck with them the whole time, too, even when they were down 3-1. You said, I'm just sticking with them until 7. <laughs> How did yeah, you know? I, How did you know? Well, I mean, for one thing, right, it, it, I just hate Boston. I mean, that's <clears throat> that makes it easy to pick against them. But, you know, secondly, I the reason I wanted to pick against them more than anything else was just the curse of the President's Trophy. I, I look back at, um, you know, a lot of teams, especially like the Wings of the 90s, um, you know, Tampa, uh, you know, a few years back and in Boston, when they, when they set these records, they all flame out real quick. Yeah. But the, um, the Red Wings went to the conference finals. They did. Yes. We, we did mention that. Uh, I think on the show too, you did point that out. And, uh, but for the most part, right. These, these teams don't necessarily uh, go all the way or aren't guaranteed. A they usually fight. don't lose in the first round though. Not typically. Uh, no, you're right about that. But again, I, I, I know this Florida Panther team was built for the playoffs uh, Kachuk is a beast, and and what do you know? He, I mean, he was the guy that showed up. He and Brandon Montour decided to, to put this team on their back and and carry them through it at those last few games. And I mean, really, it kind of sucks. Um, you know, you you hate it when you know. Now, I guess a lot of Boston fans are probably going to point to the fact that you know Bergeron was never really healthy for most of the series, and Krejci was in and out, and you know he only played four games. So again, you know, uh, 
you, you can say what you want, but your best players have to be your best players, right? And you look at David Pasternak, he only put up five goals, which is good, but zero assists and minus two. So he was, you know, meh throughout the series. He was okay. Um, when your best player is Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, that's that's where there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, not, not nothing against Tyler Bertuzzi, but there there are players on that team who should be better, right? Right, absolutely. And they, they got beat five on five, right? Bergeron only put up one goal. A minus six in three games. I, again, I don't like to read into those plus minuses too much, but in uh, you know, in three games, if you're minus six, you're not doing something right five on five. And uh, that's, I mean, again, that's where a majority of you know, that's where Boston got beat was five on five. They were putting it up on the power play. I mean, Bertuzzi, Marchand, each six points, Orloff four points, Krejci three points on the power play, but ultimately five on five, they just didn't have enough to to get it done outside of Taylor Hall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. The Panthers just found another level. And I think that my guess is that the Bruins, you know, you're going for a record like that. You aren't just going to rest, guys. Like, you can win a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Like, somebody wins the Stanley Cup every year. No one wins 65 games. There is definitely something to be said about winning the regular season in such a fashion. Like, they're probably the best, like, you know, one of the best regular season teams ever, and they obviously have a record to tout that. And yeah, they didn't win the cup, but that doesn't take away what they did in the regular season. And they also probably, probably had they, you know, been around fifty six wins, they may have been resting players, and like some guys might have gone on to IR a couple of times. <laughs> uh, you know, Bergeron playing through a herniated disc. Uh, it sounds like Allmark was playing through some injuries. Like uh, this, this team definitely got like beat themselves up to win in the regular season, which is odd because the Bruins seemed like the team that would be like Florida. Like, yeah, let's have just like a halfway regular season and then let's turn it on in the playoffs. Whereas they just had the greatest regular season of all time in terms of points and wins. Um, by the way, uh, let's see if you can guess who. Do you know who the last team? to win the president's trophy and win the cup was uh washington it is the chicago blackhawks in ah. 2013 and before wow, that a while before that the detroit red wings of 2002 wow to, to win the stanley cup and then ironically you had the 02 wings 01 avalanche the 99 stars and the 94 Rangers all won the president's trophy and won the cup. So you had what, like five teams in the matter of eight years that won the president's trophy that also won the cup. But then (laughs) over the next 20 years, two teams have won the cup that have won the president's trophy. That is a darn hard thing to do. Yeah. And that just shows the disparity in the league, right? I mean, those nineties and and early two thousands, right? I think there were maybe six or seven legit teams every year where you thought, okay, these guys are going to be one of the winners where now, you can easily point to 10 or 12 teams that have a legit shot at winning the cup when they get in the playoffs. And um, man, you know, I, I will say the one thing about this Florida series and we've kind of already started seeing it with, you know, last night's game against Toronto, but Florida, man, they, they were going in full throttle uh, to end the season. Cause they were, they were looking like they might miss and uh, man, they, they blanketed, they, they had the, the jets turning. I mean, they just were on every puck and, uh, man, it was just, it was fun to watch in that Boston series. I mean, I, I often wonder though, you know, I, I know you mentioned Allmark's injury there a second ago, you know, him playing injured. I wonder if they had gone to Swayman a little earlier, earlier would that yeah. have turned he should have gotten favor? A, he should have gotten another game. And you know what? They play, they swapped them all year long. 
And then right. you get to the playoffs, and for whatever reason, no one's really willing to to just jump. Hey, let's just go between goalies like we did all year long. No one's willing to do it, and it's it's interesting. You know, like why is it that we're so comfortable doing it all year? It's how we operate. Also, side note, it won you 65 games. <laughs> and right. then in out of 82. So theoretically, you're winning three out of about three out of four, right? So uh, it's interesting to say, well, let's just not do that anymore. And let's play this guy every other night in pressure situations. And it obviously proved to be too much. And uh, yeah, that um, although I'm not putting this on Olmark. I think that overall the Bruins just they they didn't have it. It doesn't help to you know not have Bergeron for the first few games, and and to just kind of come yeah, but in. They were up, up three games to one. That's true. I mean, they had that's three true. Yeah, in the games of, with Bergeron. Yeah, so maybe Bergeron shouldn't have played. I guess I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's definitely a tough out. Tough out. We may never see this Bruins team again. You know, that, that yeah. might be the end of Bergeron, Krejci. I don't know. I, I said it to you that I I feel like it'd be tough to end my career on that. Yeah, right? that, that, that's hard, right? I mean, you don't want to go out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, they put up a great regular season, but you go out up three games to one. And in my opinion, this might be one of the biggest playoff disasters of all time just because it is, on record, the largest point disparity between first and eighth place. And uh, It's boy, a se- you know, second most. Is it second most? I think okay. it was second most. I I, I I don't know what the other one was, but it was the second most. But either I, way, I mean, it was yeah, ridi- you know, like yeah, ridiculous spread. Forty some points. I mean, it was just yeah, a huge spread. And it wasn't like you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to point to that collapse by Tampa Bay against Columbus. But you know, again, Boston had three chances to close it. It wasn't, it just, wasn't a shock. It. It, it was. That one was like, oh my gosh, Columbus is up three nothing. They're going to win the series. It was over. It was already right. over. Whereas this one was like, okay, you get to go into a game seven. You guys have been here before. Like, hey, the Leafs, the Leafs came back down three one to the Bruins, and the Bruins won game seven. Like they've been there before. And ironically, the Bruins have beaten the Leafs in three separate game sevens, but they are zero and five against all the other game sevens that they've played. <laughs> So they needed the Leafs real bad, and they didn't get it. Um, so yeah, the, the Panthers move on to the Leafs. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to that series, but the Kraken and the Avalanche uh, just uh, I'm I'm as surprised as maybe more so. Like the Panthers to me were like, okay, th- this is a good team. They had a bad regular season, and they I you know th- they'll they'll have a shot against the Bruins. The Kraken, however, it just didn't seem like they had the goaltending to be able to do this and my goodness all they got was goaltending from philip grubauer who turned back the clock and summoned his colorado avalanche self and like was the star of the show for the most part in this series yeah and it, it makes me wonder too i mean that that's the thing right it, it, there's some little bit of swag when you get to beat your your former team right i mean that's just you know especially because they went on to win a stanley cup after they dumped you uh you know off to to Seattle and just said, you know what, you go ahead and sign him. We're not going to pay him that kind of money. So there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of chip on your shoulder, a little bit of, uh, you know, twinkle in your eye when you get to, to go through that handshake line. And, but I mean, look, w- when you look at Colorado, their best players were, were good. They, they did not disappoint, right? I mean, McKinnon seven and seven, 
right? But he still was all over the ice. He still was creating chances. I mean, he was he was better than I think his point total uh, says on the score sheet. And and Rantanen again, ten points in seven games. So these guys. Well, were they there. were the only ones doing anything. Right, I think they. The, I think it was the what hit uh, Samson between Rantanen. Mc, uh, McKinnon and McCarr, I think they uh, had points on every single goal. Like they yeah. helped on every goal. That's insane. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I mean, you look at right. So the big thing I, we talked about going into the series was, you know, was that second line center spot going to hurt them? Right. Cause you know, Nazem Kadri came in last year when they won the cup and he was a big difference maker, a lot of games. And they have JT Comfort coming and playing 22 and a half minutes a night, which is a huge amount of time. Uh, but this guy only manages to put up two points in seven games, and you wonder because he's going as a, I mean, he's heading into this offseason UFA. If Colorado's going to look at that and say, you know what, no, we're gonna we're gonna move on, we're gonna go sign someone else, or if maybe he costs himself a couple million bucks too by hmm. uh, kind of dropping the ball these playoffs. Yeah, I I don't know about millions, but definitely, yeah, I mean, maybe years. You know, that that sure. could be. You know, you're just not as willing to sign a guy to a long term deal. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, it's crazy that the Kraken, you know, they go and game one against the Dallas Stars, and they, they put up a five spot on Jake Ottinger. And uh, I, I should say, uh, apparently the only one who can score on Grubauer is Joe Pavelski. Uh, <laughs> he must have been looking at his playoff stats and going, and I'm behind the eight ball right now. Uh, so he goes and scores four freaking goals, <laughs> to, two in the third period with uh, just basically ten minutes, you know, ten seven minutes left, and uh, ties the game. But uh, Seattle still wins it in OT. Uh, I mean, the Stars should be okay if you know anyone else but Pavelski can show up. It'd be good. But <laughs> yeah, they just the Seattle Kraken just can't seem to handle that net front presence right now. Crazy. That almost almost yeah. bit him in the ass last night, but. But it didn't because they get scoring from everywhere. Uh, yeah, just I mean, just crazy that uh, the crea- the Kraken are where they are and and they're doing it in a different way. You know, it's kind of been probably the last how oh, what would we say like really the last ten years or so where it's like I mean, you can't win the cup without having this like a high end very elite talent. You know, well, maybe the last team that you would compare this Kraken team to would be like, you know, maybe like the Carolina Hurricanes of 06 would be the closest comparison to a team that actually won the cup. Do I think that Seattle will win the cup? No, but uh, if we were going to compare them to a team that has won the cup, it really would be the Hurricanes of that year uh, who didn't really have that superstar player. They had really good players, just like the Kraken. I mean, the Kraken have players who've scored a lot of goals for them, like Jared McCann, because there's no one else to do it. But I don't think that Jared McCann would even be uh, you know, on on other teams. I don't know that he would find his way into uh, the top line. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's funny. Yeah. You think losing a 40-goal scorer, right? You think, okay, well, this series is over with. Uh, no thanks. Kraken, make a, make a series out of this one. What if the Leafs had kept Jared McCann and let Alex Kerfoot go? Oh boy! Ever think about? I think about that every day. Uh. <laughs> it haunts me. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? He, he probably wouldn't have gotten the op- same opportunities, and so it wouldn't have you know, resulted in the same thing. But um, final series is the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, we both picked this series to go to seven games. We were right on that account. Uh, but uh, I I picked the Devils to win. You had the Rangers. What happened to the Rangers here, Justin? 
Boy, uh, I just honestly Schmied? think that is it fair uh, to just say Schmied? I mean, he's one of the fact he's one of the reasons, right? But I, I think a lot of it just had to do with the fact that New Jersey had they they looked much much faster. Uh, anytime the Rangers would would grab the puck, right? I, I remember watching that game seven. And anytime they they get in the zone, they just chip and dump. You know, try to get down there. They they'd have the puck. Maybe they might you know win the battle, right? Those fifty fifty battles in the corner. They get the puck. They make one pass. And then, you know, again, New Jersey just so fast. They're on top of the Ranger players just so quickly. And then, of course, now the puck's going the other way. And, you know, New York couldn't sustain any kind of offensive pressure that whole entire game. And I think that was pretty much the most part for the last, you know, three out of those four, those last four games there. That's just the way it just seemed to go. And, um, you know, when you look at when we talked about that whole speed, right, I mean, the only line that really looked like they had any offensive pressure at any time was the kid line because they were fast, right? Uh, granted, it didn't turn into any points for guys like Lafreniere or, uh, you know, Kako. But, you know, again, I, I think just, you know, a lot of older players up front and they just looked a little slow. And you've talked about it multiple times, right? A guy like Chris Kreider who makes his living net front on the power play. I mean, five on five, he just he had six goals. Just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looked just below average this whole five, series. Yeah, five on five. He's just not good. You know, Patrick Kane looked like he was, you know, you know, especially in Game Seven, Patrick Kane looked like he did have some legs, like he he had some juice going. But for whatever reason, man, I I don't know why the you know Gerard Gallant did not want to play him on that top line with Sabinajad, who is not a slow player by any means. But you know, you'd think, okay, let's put those two together. They've got some legs. Maybe they might generate something. But kept I, going back to Tarasenko, who's not a fast skater. I thought that watching Patrick Kane, I thought that like, and he looks like his hips are taped together. Like <laughs> I, I thought he looked. I mean, he carried the puck into the zone, and he just kind of gets it taken off of his stick, and it's going the other way uh, multiple times. I did not think that he looked very good. I mean, I I would say, you know, if he's not going and getting some kind of at least a some extreme rehab on that hip, maybe uh maybe some surgery. I'm not sure, but it it didn't look he didn't look right, and I think that that's kind of what the Chicago Blackhawks have kind of been pointing at all year long that like he's definitely not a hundred percent i think it's fair to say like he wasn't a hundred percent maybe he's 90 but there's definitely something there um, where he's not himself and it makes me wonder you know is what's what's the career of patrick kane looking like because if i'm the rangers i'm not signing him you know if it unless it's, if oh, it's no, a, they're not going to no, they don't have the money to sign him for sure but i mean if he was you know hey i'll take a one-year one mil or you know if he was willing to to go somewhere for for cheap to try and win the cup that would be fair but i i, I mean that's going to be an interesting one because he's such a big name but what does he actually bring to the table especially over 82 games like how many of those games is he going to play in you know are you, you're going to be paying a guy for probably 60 games which has to be factored in. And, uh, yeah, he just, I, I don't think I'd want to take the risk on a Patrick Kane because of, you know, just the way he'd change your locker room, but also the, the, like the potential for, uh, for health issues. I don't know that he, you know, he, he's somebody that I would target personally. You know what? I, I probably would just because again, he brings experience. He has that cup pedigree. And I still think he can produce in a, a limited role, right? Maybe you give him 16, 17 minutes a night and make him a power play one specialist. Um, you know, I think he has the opportunity to still give a little bit. Um, yeah, of course, I'm not paying more than, you know, 
four or four and a half million bucks for this guy um in in all honesty but i think really what a a team that might need somebody like that would be maybe like a buffalo sabers team right a a team that's got a lot of youngsters who have a lot of guys that can give you speed and so maybe you know a guy like patrick kane is somebody who can come in and and elevate a lot of those young guys to the next level where they need to go to to be able to say hey you know what we're we're a playoff contender now um because buffalo is knocking on the door and you know maybe they they fix their goaltending a little bit and you know get another guy back on d they might you know, Patty Kane added to that four group might just be enough to, to propel them to the next level. Seems like a Taylor Hall signing. <laughs> well, as long as you're not paying that guy hundred yeah, million bucks. Yeah, as long as like you're okay. not paying him a one year eleven million dollar deal, yeah. Should be fine. Um all right. Well, since we're on the Devils, uh why don't we just skip ahead to uh, that Devils Hurricane series because that one is tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's on a Wednesday. Uh, surprisingly, you know Eric Halla leading the way for the Devils with six points and four goals in the first series. Uh, no surprise here that Sebastian Ajo leading the way for Carolina with seven points and four goals in the first round. But now uh, you know the Devils and the Hurricanes face off against each other in what really may you know. I, the way that I kind of see it is the Devils are getting a team that plays similar to the Rangers where they're like more willing to dump the puck in, but the Hurricanes have a much stricter system and they have more speed than the Rangers. So I yeah. think they match up a little bit better with the Devils, but the Devils have had a decent primer with playing the Rangers who play you know, in that wheelhouse, at least of the hurricanes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they, they do a very good job of playing within their system. And I think they, you know, again, what we saw with, with the Rangers, right. The way they like to play chip and go get it. Um, I think Carolina will have a little bit more success because they do have the wheels to do it. Um, the one thing I am, you know, concerned about for, you know, um, for Carolina, again, I, I mentioned it in the first round where I thought they would probably fall to the Islanders because of this is their lack of goal scoring, right? When you, you, you're missing a guy like Pacioretty and, and Sveshnikov, you know, is that going to come back to bite you now? I mean, obviously it didn't for Carolina because they just play such a good system uh, where, you know, again, you don't necessarily need to have those elite goal scorers, but um, you know, can you rely on Paul Stasny to chip in, you know, you know, three goals in six games in this series? I don't know if, you know, he's going to be able to do it again. Um, you know, but we'll obviously see, I think for the difference for the devils, for me, is I'm expecting some guys on on the Devils to step up that maybe, you know, they look like they were going to produce a little bit more than what they did. And uh, two guys I'm talking about are Thomas Tatar and Timo Meyer. Uh, Meyer, no points in seven games. Tatar, only one goal. And I think those guys look better than what their score sheets actually say. And, you know, I think, again, those guys are going to give Devils a little bit of depth that, you know, again, when it comes to the goal scoring aspect that Carolina necessarily doesn't have, and they've got the speed to do it. Yeah, I I mean, man, I I look at this series and I see a long one, right? It's just this just doesn't seem like a series that's going five games. No, not at all. <laughs> I and I maybe the biggest question mark coming into this series is the goaltending, right? Like the Devils used two goaltenders in round one. Obviously, they're going with Schmied now uh, because of the way that he's played, but. At the same time, do we not recognize that if Schmid struggles a couple games, that they they could go back? You know that there there's another goaltender there waiting, and then at the same time, same with 
the, uh, the the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, do they stick with Freddie Anderson or are we going anti-Ranta? Like, I, I know Frederick Anderson is going to start here and uh, start here today, uh, but there, you know, there's there's that question again. All year long, you went between two goalies. Is it really best to just lean on one guy all playoffs? Yeah, I think for both of these teams, what we're probably going to see is when, you know, as long as one guy's playing hot, that's who they're sticking with, right? But the minute he, they, you know, say Schmeed lets in a, a six spot or a five spot one game, right, and it gets burnt pretty bad, they're going to go back to, to Vanacek, I think, and just give him a shot, see what he could do. And I mean, I know uh, like Vanacek obviously had two rough games in, in right. the first two games of the, of the playoffs. I mean, led in five goals in both those games, uh, games one and two, and didn't get another shot. Uh, I don't know that uh, I watched some of those games. I watched all the goals. I, I, I don't think that I could put the onus on Vanacek for them losing those games. I mean, no, that was I just either. the Rangers were just overpowering them. And, and the Devils, to a certain extent, you could see it. It was, hey, it's their first time back in the playoffs. Some, a lot of these guys were playing their very first NHL playoff games. It's it's fair that it's going to take a second to kind of adjust to a new, uh, like just a different style of of play, but also a different level of intensity. But the Devils caught on quick, <laughs> and yeah, they did. Yeah, obviously they go and they win four of five to close out the series. But uh, it's uh, yeah, I mean Schmid looks like he's going to be the guy. Are but. I guess the real question is, does Freddie Anderson stay healthy? Because that's the that's the biggest question mark. And he, I mean, he, hey, it was the first time he was healthy, and you know he missed. Uh, what he played game one, right? He played no. Aranta played game one. Yeah, Aranta played series. game one. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. It's. I. I. Th- I think that Frederick Anderson versus Schmid. I mean, it's kind of this. Anderson's almost like an old name. At this point, like you know, he's he's been around the league for a long time, but he hasn't really had a big impact on a playoff in a long time. And here he's got the opportunity to uh, to send his team to the conference finals if he can win this series. But this is a really a series of two goalies that are uh, could steal the show, but also are could could easily be forgotten <laughs> in the in the mix of all this. Yeah, I think it's going to be a short leash for both goaltenders, and it's just going to be who you know ride the hot hand. And I, it wouldn't shock me if both these teams make goaltending changes at any point. Not necessarily because the goalies are playing bad, but I think just because maybe they want to give their team a shot in the arm and say, you know what, we're going with a different guy today. We want to, we want to, you know, give our, our give our guys a little boost in the locker room. Yeah, right. Yeah, wake them up. Look at look at the playoffs in general. You got the Devils with Schmid and Vitek Vanacek, the Hurricanes with their Ranta and Anderson. Oilers are playing Stuart Skinner, maybe Jack Campbell, and the Golden Knights are playing Laurent Brossois, uh, the Seattle Kraken with Philip Grubauer, like the Leafs, Samsonov, and the Panthers just finally went back to, to Bobrovsky. Uh, it, it seems like there really isn't, other than Ottinger, uh, there, you wouldn't look at any of these teams and say, oh, they have elite goaltending. Right. None of them. <laughs> Yeah, that that is weird. To, to and Ottinger right led now. in five goals in game one. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think that's why. Again, when we when we've come to the trade deadline the last couple of years, why these these goaltenders, these these legit starters, have not 
gotten the first round picks, not gotten the big returns that I think a lot of teams have tried to get uh, for number ones. Because again, I think a lot of teams know you don't need an elite goaltender now to, uh, again, depending on your team, right? The Rangers definitely needed Shesterkin to play elite to stay in that series, I think, towards the end. But um, you know, now nowadays, if you have a good system and you know a good group of guys in front, especially with goal scoring growing up, you don't necessarily need an elite guy. If you can have a, a decent one A one B combo, you can you can go pretty far in these playoffs. Yeah, tell that to uh, Vasilevsky. <laughs> yeah, Vasilevsky. I mean, I guess Darcy Kemper looked elite with the Avalanche. Well, he he definitely looked elite. Like from a from a stats perspective, he was elite playing with the Avalanche. He was fine with the Capitals, but um, definitely didn't have a the same <laughs> level of play happening in front of him uh, with the with the Capitals. But you know, I I don't know that you can win. It's very rare that you win with an anti Niemi, right? Like you think about where anti Niemi was when uh, what was that the oh the 2010 Blackhawks when they won, yeah. That Boy. like he was relatively unknown. It was kind of like who's who's this guy, uh, and and he he rolled through. Uh, that's rare. It's rare to win with a goalie who just like really has no pedigree whatsoever. But it might happen again this year. You know, it very well might happen this year. I mean, really, the Stars are the only team. I guess if the Panthers were to ride out Bobrovsky, you would say, I mean, he's a he's won a Vesna Trophy. He, I guess, he'd be the only the only goalie left with a Vesna Trophy. Yeah, I mean, he's paid certainly like um, an elite goaltender. That's did, for sure. Jonathan Quick never won a Vesna. He just has a constantly. Oh, he did. He yeah. did win a Vesna. He won a Vesna. Yeah. Okay. All right, so then I guess there are two. There are technically two goalies left in the playoffs with Vesnas, but Jonathan Quick is not squeaking into the lineup anytime soon. So, no, uh, Ottinger <laughs> may have true. one. Ottinger probably will have a Vesna before all is said and done. But uh, I obviously. Oh no, no, know. I am wrong. No, Quick has two Jennings, no Vesna. Jennings, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think he had a. Yeah, there. Didn't think that he ever won a Vesna. He never really had. Like, he never had a blow-me-out-of-the-water regular season. He just had an unbelievable couple playoffs. Well, he did He did get a uh, – he finished second in 11-12 when he did win the Conn Smite, and he actually finished fifth in Hart Trophy voting. So, oh, shoot. Uh, look at you. Which is wild. I want to look – I mean, I want to see again who – so we had – okay, Henry Lundquist finished third in Hart Trophy voting, and that's obviously who won the best of that year. year. Yeah. A 9.30 save percentage to Jonathan Quick's. 929 and a 1.97 to a 1.95 goals against. Jeez. I mean, I mean, that's just 1.7. Uh, yeah, that was back in the day when nobody could score. Now right. we've got goal score. Now it's, the game has changed. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty crazy how much the game has changed over the last 10 years. Um, I think for the better. I think I'm so glad scoring's finally, finally high. I mean, in the playoffs, it's still you know, relatively low in comparison to the regular season. But still, I mean, game one, 5-4, cracking the Stars with an elite goaltender on the Stars side letting in five goals. Um, it's just fun. Um, yep. you, uh, should we give uh, predictions for that Devils-Hurricanes? Yeah, let's go. I think uh, you and I already have them, so let's yeah. you go first. Go right ahead. Yeah, I've, I picked the Hurricanes in seven games. I think the, you know, the Hurricanes are... Uh, They've been here before, and I think that that is... I know that the Rangers went to the conference finals, all that. I I just think that the Hurricanes are kind of set up to win this series, and I I like them better 
than the Devils because of the system that they play. And I think that they have more speed than the Rangers. And I think that they can keep up with the Devils a little more. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I went uh, Devils in seven. So I think you and I both have this series going seven. But for me, I just, again, I think the, the, the Devils are starting to find themselves, right? I mean, you mentioned that those first two games, they really didn't, they weren't ready for the playoff intensity. And, and really the Rangers knew what it, what it took to go, you know, to go into the playoffs and what it was going to take to go to the next round and devils weren't ready, but they, they certainly found it pretty quick. And I think ultimately that they have enough speed and talent. I think guys like, like I mentioned, Tatar and Timo Meyer are going to, going to find the score sheet a little bit more than they did in the first round and uh, ultimately make a series out of this. Although I do think it is, is not going to be solely because goaltending that the devils get past Carolina. I think it's going to be, I think this one's going to be a little bit more high, high scoring than most people think. Okay. Uh, Oilers and Golden Knights, the late night game. Uh, probably, I think, will this be the, yeah, I guess it's, it's nice when you have two actual late night game, you know, when you get those like Chicago Nashville series where you're like, Oh, that game's going to start at eight. I just like that game that comes on much later than the, the other ones. Uh, Oilers, Golden Knights, both teams, uh, squeak by uh, Golden Knights and, five Oilers and six. So both teams pretty rested coming in here. I think they've, they've both had at least five, four or five days of rest. Uh, so that, that won't be any, uh, any excuse. And, uh, you know, here, here we go. McDavid versus the golden Knights, I think is what we, you know, we, we thought maybe this could be a first round matchup. It's a second round matchup and we get the battle of two shitty goaltenders and <laughs> some really good offensive talent. Yeah, we Should got be the fun. number one. We got the number one pick versus the number two pick, right? The year McDavid Eichel went one yes, two. Yes. And part of me actually it was funny when when people were um, you know, going into that draft, I remember looking at some people and I was just like, you know what? I know all the hype around McDavid, but for some reason in my mind at the time I was like, you know what, I think Eichel's gonna have a better career long term. And it seemed like it those first couple uh, years because uh, McDavid yeah. kept getting uh hurt all the time, but then oh man, was I ever wrong about that one. <laughs> Just a little bit. I've since come around my ways. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I've since admitted my wrongdoings. Uh, yes, you, you'll be forgiven. Uh, I mean, it's just a few years of, uh, of what? Oh my gosh, what's it called? Shame. No, oh, what's the purgatory? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not Catholic, so it's not there. You know, it's not uh, not readily in my mind. Yeah, you just a few years of purgatory, but you know, probably the more hail marys you say, the better it'll be for you. There we go. <laughs> uh, okay. The obvious is obviously Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, they're going to perform. They, uh, I'd say Dreisaitl definitely had the better second round or first round. I mean, seven goals, an unbelievable first round in six games for uh, Leon Dreisaitl. But you've got to think in order to win this series, the Oilers are going to have to get some production from their bottom six. That's going oh, to have to be a, a, a big change because the, the Golden Knights are, you know, they, they've got depth that maybe the Oilers don't have. But the. Yeah, no, I agree. But the, I think the goaltending slightly favors the Oilers. I, you know, Laurent Brassois, how, how long can he keep this up? That's, you know, that's. There's a reason why Laurent Brassois was so far down their, their depth chart. He's not that good. Like he, it's not. Yeah, he's fine. He's a fine goalie. He can back up, but he's not a starting goaltender in the NHL. He has never oh. been a starting goaltender in the NHL. 
What I wonder for and what I wonder for him is necessarily, you know, again, that first round he got to play the Jets, his former team, right? So similar to group power, there's some mm. swag that comes with that, right? Where you get that that just that pure joy of just oh, rubbing well, it in the And maybe team you life. know the players a little better. Do you right, know exactly. their tendencies? So now you're coming up I mean, and again, the no no offense to the Jets, but they didn't they don't have elite talent like McDavid and, and the Jets seven, played right? like so. absolute garbage. They did for for the most part of that series, and there's a reason their head coach ripped into him at the end of that series. I mean, the, with and then was, did you see I mean, the email that the Jets sent out? No, no, I did not. Yeah, the Please. Jets sent out an email and to uh, to fans. I don't know if it was season ticket holders or just like people on their mailing list, and it specifically said, "We're so proud of our Jets for giving their a, a great effort or something like that." Like something that directly contradicted what. Rick Bonus said, "Like that they, you know, they played like crap and they didn't have, uh, they didn't have any, like we didn't have the effort." And in the email, it said, "We're so proud of the effort that they gave," or something. And so people are putting them side by side and going, "This literally got sent out the day after he said what he said, and it directly contradicted it." So you know, of course, now there's the uh, is Bonus going to even come back? But that's a, that's another Ugh. that's that's another story for another day. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a nice off-season topic, but okay. That's that's interesting. I did not read that, so yeah. thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms of defense in this series, I think Matthias Ekholm has changed the Edmonton Oilers back end. He's made it a, le- a legitimate, you know, Stanley Cup contending back end. And the Vegas Golden Knights, I'd say they're one... The one shaky part of that series against the Jets, they were saved because they, you know, they put up so so much offensive numbers, uh, but their back end did not look good against the Jets. Uh, they were they were making mistakes. They were getting rushed by the Jets, and I, I think that's what would worry me the most for the the Golden Knights in this series is can the Oilers just completely expose. Uh, what they have back there. Not not that Shea Theodore is, is a bad defense. He's obviously he's a great defenseman, um, as is Petrangelo. I don't think either guy played to their potential in that first round. What do we get from them here in round two against the Oilers? Yeah, I, I do think you're going to see maybe Theodore and Petrangelo maybe take a step back, right? Not necessarily rush in as much as they, they typically do because, again, when you – go up against McDavid and dry settle, but you, you know, one of these two guys are going to be on the ice when they're, they are. So, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see them rushing the play as much because if they, they make a mistake, right. If they get caught flat footed, uh, dry settle and McDavid are going back the other way and probably scoring. So, uh, you got to play a little bit more cautious if, if I'm the Vegas golden Knight defense and, and that's totally fine. Right. Because I think, um, you know, when you do, you know, if you're playing cautious and you have those, those opportunities to turn, to take the puck back the other way and, you know, and try to capitalize on turnovers, right? The one great thing I will say is Vegas does have a lot of good forwards that play good structural defense, right? Uh, not necessarily like Carolina where they do it such as a team effort, but they've got individuals like Mark Stone, Stevenson, and William Carlson that I think do a very good job of playing a, a two-way game. And we know how good Mark Stone is, and I think he's going to be out there every moment that Connor McDavid is if, you know, the coaches have their way or, you know, not necessarily the coaches, but if Vegas's coaches have their way, they're going to get Stone out there anytime that McDavid is on the ice. And you know, hopefully, like I said, Carlson and, and the rest of the company can keep Drysaddle at bay if they they have those two guys split up. But uh, for me, if I'm the Vegas defense, though, it's just play it play it safe, right? Don't try to overthink it. Don't try to overdo it. Just play it safe. You you know you know you've got quality guys back there on on the you know the back end, but 
for some of those other guys, maybe, you know, necessarily like Martinez, who in my opinion has kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, don't, don't try to over, overthink it or overdo it. I think that this is a huge franchise changing series right here. I, I think I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that these two teams see each other again next year in the second round. Like or in the first round, you know these these two teams are going to be here together. Uh, I look at the Golden Knights, and I look at their construction, and I see a team that needs to win now. Like the Oilers, obviously they want to win. You know you, and I think the league desperately wants to have Connor McDavid go as far as they can. <laughs> but also, I mean, at the same time, they would love to have the the Golden Knights go far because they are just a spectacle. Uh, but when you you know, you consider the Golden Knights and like a lot of their core. You know, Petrangelo's thirty-three, Martinez is thirty-five, uh, even Mark Stone. The way that he plays, he's thirty, and he's not—he's—he's he's not necessarily going to get healthier. Like he just always seems to have some kind of nagging injury. And the way that I—I I look at this team, I just kind of go, "Well, you guys probably need to need to win." Or go really deep with this core uh, because it, it really, ha- I mean, it's been a while since they were in the Stanley Cup Finals in what, 2017? Is that 2017 or was that 2018? Yeah. 2018, right? 2018, 2018, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a minute now. You've got a team. You're spending. You're, you're making huge trades. It's time now for this team to kind of take that next step that I think at this point we can now write that first year off as like, that was a completely different team. I mean, you had what three guys on this team that were there, maybe four. Uh, you had the, the Carlson, Marcia. So Riley Smith and not much else from that team was, was here. Was Shea Taylor, Shea Taylor on that team? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was. Yeah. So, but you look at the core now. The core is Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, even Chandler Stevenson to a certain extent, Alex Petrangelo. And that that team was not here at all when they went to the finals. So this is a very different team. And uh, I, I think it's it's really time for them to take that next step. Like This is a very important series for this franchise. They can't go out in five or six games. I think if it goes to a seventh game and you lose – to the Edmonton Oilers, it is what it is. But uh, I, I think this is a very important series for the Golden Knights because they they need to make progress. And it seems like there has not been much progress over the last five years since they went to the finals. No, I, I think that's that's a good point. I think the one thing when you look at this this team, right, is they've always been known over the last few years, especially since going to the finals, they've been going after the big fishes, right? They've they wanted to bring the big names in. But this free agency, there's not going to be any big names. There's not going to be a lot of money for them to spend. And I think really, if you want to attract maybe some, you know, some depth pieces, guys that can contribute and maybe get them in on a cheaper deal, you have to say, you know what, we're still a contender, right? We're just, you know, our window's still open. And so, um, you know, again, losing to McDavid, losing to Dreisaitl, there's no shame in that. But you don't want to go out in four or five games, like you mentioned, right? Because then that just, that that proves that they were just that much better than you. But if you go out in seven games, if you make a series out of it, then you can easily say, okay, cool. This Megan Gold, Golden Knights team is for real. Uh, they can compete against McDavid. The the team that is, you know, from the start has been picked by everybody to be the Stanley cup champs. And so um, I think if you can make a series out of it at least, or even better yet, just win the series. 
um, you know, again, you're going to keep your window open and you're going to keep those those free agents coming in uh, this offseason if you don't somehow happen to make it, you know, to the Stanley Cup finals or, you know, say you lose in the cup final. Yeah. Um, all right. Who do you have in this series? Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm taking Vegas in seven games. Um, I know it's hard to pick against Connor McDavid, but but ultimately, I, I do think we you mentioned it briefly. Uh, it is for me. The concern is the depth for the Ford group for the Edmonton Oilers, right? I think guys like Yamamoto, um, you know, maybe even to some extent, you could look at a guy like, uh, you know, again, uh, Warren Fogle, Matthias Janmark. These guys, I just don't think have enough in the tank to compete against the depth of the Vegas Golden Knights forward group. Um, now, again, that doesn't mean that guys like Nugent Hopkins, you know, Evander Kane. Yeah, hundred, the don't, don't, a that bit guy who had 100 points in the regular right. season who's just playing in the second line, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, I mean, again, they're going to try to pick up the slack a little bit more, but uh, ultimately, I think guys like Mark Stone are going to going to play a, a much more significant role when it comes to shutting down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um And I think Jack Eichel too. Um, you know, again, there's I, we we haven't talked about him yet, but I, I think he's going to find another level in this game because again, when you look at that number one to number two draft pick comparison, that's going to hang over his shoulders for a long time until he you know until he essentially beats McDavid to the cup, right? I mean. You know, it's it's going to be saying, well, you're just you're never good enough. And I don't think anybody's ever going to say that Eichel's ever as good as McDavid. But, you know, again, I think there's going to be um, yeah, maybe in terms of him. impact on his team, on his right. team success. You could you could definitely compare those two. Uh, yeah, that, that's about the only comparison. It's not even fair. Like, it's not it's right. not fair. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody's going, boy, Jack Eichel should have been better than Connor McDavid. No, I don't think so. No, no, and he will. And when when you look at his career, when it's all said and done, right, you're never going to look at that. But I think for Eichel, if he gets the opportunity, right, similar to a guy like, um, you know, Jonathan Taves, in my opinion, right, he's never going to be as good as maybe some of those other guys uh, around his era. But you know, he was still one of the best, right? And so that's what you want to be remembered as. He was Eichel, a champ. One of the best. He was a champ. Right. Yeah, you were a champ. You want to be one of the best, and you want to be a winner. So uh, for Eichel, right, this is an opportunity to prove you're you're one of the best and a winner. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Mark Stone, well, he's a he's a he's a very good player. I think he gets a lot more love than he should from uh from this. Ooh. Oh, I you know he gets a lot of love from me. So he gets a lot of love <laughs> from you, but it, I think he's a little overrated. like I think on the defensive side, uh, he's he's very good, but I don't think that he's honestly. I between Mark Stone and Anthony Sorelli, I think I'm taking Anthony Sorelli. Between the two guys, oh, okay. I think that Mark Stone's very overrated. I, I, I think Jack Eichel is a, a really nice player, but I think that he's probably leans uh, more towards the low end of the top end centers. And I, I think that the Oilers are gonna. I, I think that the Vegas Golden Knights have the depth to hang with the Oilers, and I think that you know, these guys can. Can maybe shut down Dreisaitl a little bit, slow him down a little bit, and uh, and you've got yourself a series. I picked the Oilers in seven. I was tempted to say six, but I'm just going to say seven because it's more fun that way. But um, I've got the Oilers, and I think that the I think you'll watch this series and go, "Wow, the Oilers are the better team." But maybe because of the goaltending and you know a couple bounces for the Golden Knights, they find themselves winning winning a, an extra game or so. And pushing this one to the limit, but the Oilers, in my mind, are the better team. Okay. 
We shall see. Watch Mark Stone have 10 points in this series. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, well, let's go to Kraken Stars, who've already played one game uh, last night. 5-4 win for the Kraken in overtime. Yanni Gord scores in the first overtime period. Philip Grubauer gets the win. Joe Pavelski scores a million goals. Four goals in... uh, he now has four playoff goals. So he, like I said earlier, he made up for not playing really almost the entire first round, getting hurt in game one. And the Kraken are up one nothing in the series. Where do you see the rest of this series going? Boy, I think, um, you know, again, when, when you look at coaching, right, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Dallas over, you know, Seattle any day. And I think that's ultimately what it's going to go down to, right? We, we saw, you know, that, that Seattle team just kind of come in waves, right? I think they, they do a really good job of having a balanced attack, right? I mean, obviously, for me, the, the best line last night was the Yanni Gord line. Uh, they looked almost... I don't want to say they, they looked like they were a number one legit line last night uh, when they were on the ice. So they were, they're playing very well, but I think ultimately they're just going to, you know, Dallas is going to find a way to get a balanced attack and really just kind of swarm, you know, Seattle. And, and what I really like about Seattle and the reason they were able to get past Colorado in that first round is again, that balanced attack, but all the guys were skating hard all the time. Right. I mean, your third line just went as hard as your first line. Uh, So, they got guys that can chip in at all, you know, at all depths of the the Ford group. And so for me, though, I, I think Dallas, obviously, you're going to I think you're going to see Rupe Hintz, Robertson uh, turn it on at some point and uh, not have to rely on Joe Pa as much. And, you know, hopefully they can get a little bit more contribution from guys like, you know, Jamie Bennigan, who I thought didn't look necessarily bad last night. But, um, you know, I think he can still find uh, another level to his game against the Seattle team. And uh, I'm hoping that guys like Wyatt Johnson show up as well, too. And ultimately, I think they will. Dallas you know, can play dirty. And, and then of course the one difference maker for me in this series is going to be, you know, Ottinger. Um, you know, I, I thought after that four spot in the first period, they probably should have pulled him, give him a little bit of rest. I know they, you know, again, they had to go six games the, their first round. Um, so, you know, again, he's the guy there's, there's no one beast, you know, number two goaltender. They're going to rotate with him. He's pretty much the only, <laughs> the only goaltender left. Maybe well, outside of Obrowski. Yeah, they obviously um, felt though after that first period that like they had still it was four two. They still had a chance to come back, and uh, and I mean obviously they did. They they came back. They I think they made the right call. You know he he shut them out in the second and the third period. He was good the rest of the way. And every goalie's going to have a bad period here and there. Like oh, it just for, for it's sure. just going to happen. Um, and I mean really, if you think about it, he had a bad four minutes. I mean, they scored four goals in three minutes and 55 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not necessarily blaming him for all those goals either. I don't think a lot of those were his fault. However, I do think, you know, again, watching that second period, I, I, I initially thought them, you know, Dallas coming out, they didn't really look um, like there, there, there was much that changed in the locker room, right? And I think sometimes just getting a fresh goaltender in there um, is enough to kind of spark things. And I, I you know, again, I was a little worried, uh, you know, that Seattle was going to swarm, overwhelm them a little bit. Um, because for for me, a goaltending change not necessarily because I don't I don't necessarily worry about uh, you know Scott Wedgwood coming in there and not being able to shut down Seattle. I think he would have given them some quality goaltending. Now again, hindsight, right? It's it's easy to say, okay, cool. You know, Ottinger uh, was the right call. He came in, but you know, for me, I would have liked to have seen a shot in the arm to that Dallas team and see how they responded to that. Because to me, um, you know, that second period would have been much more entertaining the rest of the game, the rest of the way. Had uh, the rest of his team responded they, the way they did ultimately in the third period. I think that the Dallas Stars had a really hard time adjusting from playing the Minnesota Wild to the Kraken. 
the wild definitely did not do not come at you in waves. They come at you in gunshots. Like, you get blown up by a couple lines and then you've got this one line who can score and that is not how Seattle comes at you at all Seattle uh, I mean they've they've got threats everywhere and uh, they roll four lines and I think that it just took the stars a minute to adjust and I think you'll see a different game too Um, does it make any difference that Jared McCann should be back in game three for the Kraken and uh, find his way onto home ice there in Seattle yeah, I think that'll that'll definitely make a difference. I mean, when you always get a forty goal score back, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. always a huge boost. It extends, so. I think, to me. You know, we haven't ta- we're not talking predictions yet, but I guess we will. Uh, I, it's what extends this series to a like a potential six or seven game series because you know they they can score goals. Obviously, they've won game one. Um, I have the Stars winning this in six, uh, which I'm, I'm standing by that. That's that's fine. Seattle can have that first game. Uh, not really worried about the stars. They've just played so well, and they play so good after a loss. You know, in that series to Minnesota, every time they dropped a game, you could just feel how the following game they were different. You know, they they just they know how to come back, and they've been here before. You know, they lost that game five one. They lost that three two. Um, or uh, game three to the wild. They lose five, one and they come back. They win a tight three, two game and in game four and then game five, they just go shut them out. Like this is a team that bounces back from a loss. Yeah. Is it, is it fair to say they're the, the Western conference equivalent of Tampa Bay when it comes to, you know, not losing two in a row. Right. I mean, we saw that with Tampa Bay until last year, right. They, they just basically were never losing two games in a row. And, and I think Dallas is kind of similar in that aspect that they know how to take it to a whole nother level after a loss, right? I think, you know, they, they seemed like that a little bit last year. Uh, ultimately, they just fell short. But for me, I, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to find another level for this game, too. And I think, you know, again, having a guy like Joe Pavelski back, you know, he only played about 14 minutes last night. And I think you're going to see see him play a few more minutes. Yeah, uh, elevate those. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll creep them up slowly. And, uh, and, and I expect the Dallas offense will awake you know outside of Pavelski. yes absolutely and that's why i also i picked them in six games as well um and then ultimately the x factor for me is going to be you know ottinger i think uh you know jakey there is gonna gonna come back from this this first game you know where he you know you know maybe would have liked to have got one or two of those goals back and maybe didn't look his best like you said in that four minute stretch and i think he's gonna find another level to his game that maybe we didn't see in game one uh and you know ultimately i i think grubauer yes he played great in round one but I don't think he's going to sustain that kind of uh, that kind of save percentage throughout this series. So, um, you know, Dallas is going to find a way to, to light him up a few games here. And I think it's, you know, again, Seattle's going to make it entertaining. McCann coming back is going to help a little bit. But ultimately, I think they just fall a little short. Okay, Leafs-Panthers. Uh, Panthers take game one, 4-2 last night. Uh, I, I, would, I watched the whole game, and I, watching it, you go, the Leafs played good enough to win in a regular season game. The Panthers just were on a different level, and I think that that actually was just from... They they didn't even go home after winning Game 7. I think they are flying high um, after winning that game, and they were playing a very intense brand of hockey that maybe the Leafs just weren't quite ready for. Um, and the Panthers' speed was much different than than the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think that it 
it took them a minute to adjust to that. Um, you saw the the first like the first two goals. You know they're up up two nothing. The Leafs come back, tied at two. Uh, I the Verhage goal killed me. They didn't talk about it on the broadcast. <laughs> they they didn't talk about it. But if you watch TJ Brody, uh, the puck's right at the blue line, and TJ Brody does this like you can see it. Do, do I go for that puck? I'll go for that puck. Oh, maybe I shouldn't go for that puck. And by that yeah. point, that you, Verhage's behind him. And I the don't think he lost. saw Verhage out of his. No, I don't think he saw Verhage. But I think that he he either needed to make a play on the puck hard, or he needed to completely back off. And had he done one of those two things, he probably would have disrupted the play enough to where the puck doesn't get clean to Verhage, or or he just wins the puck battle and keeps the puck in. Uh, he he made a halfway decision and it ended up you know, n- nothing good happened from it um, and that ultimately is obviously what seals it. Uh, well, the Montour goal was what sealed it, but uh, I think after that, the the Panthers carried the carried the bulk of the play there. But the I mean the Leafs they had lots of opportunities to score. Bobrovsky was really good, and you just gotta kind of tip your hat. Bobrovsky played better than Samsonov than this night, and. Uh, and the Panthers got their got some of the breaks. They got some of the bounces, and you know it was a four two win. I I didn't get to the end of that game and go, wow, the Leafs played like garbage, or like, wow, the Panthers played so well. It was a pretty evenly evenly played games. Lots of chances for both teams. The Panthers capitalized on theirs, and the Leafs couldn't score because Bobrovsky was good. Yeah, Bobrovsky definitely. I mean, he came up with a few timely saves, and the, the one guy for me, right, who I think is going to be the biggest reason why, if, if the Panthers are able to come away from this series and, and you know shut down the Leafs, I think is going to be Matthew Kachuk, right? He's the X factor, and we I watched him in Game One. He was everywhere. He was all over the puck anytime. I think any Leafs player, if he was on the ice, he yeah, was I think going he hit hard a post too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you saw it right on that last goal. He was able to basically create that that damage that basically got the puck free and back out to a guy like Montour who was able to, to snipe at home. And um, man, I mean, just you watched him. I mean, he was the reason in my opinion too. I think that, you know, again, Florida was able to get past Boston those last few games. He was just, he was so gruesome on, on everybody. And he created so many chances by being sandpaper, right? The reason they brought him in was, was for that. Right. And it paid off in spades in round one. And hopefully they're, they're hoping that it pays off again in, in round two here against the leaves. But for me, I, 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 would I mean just looking at this Leafs forward group, right? I mean they exchanged chances all night. It was a very entertaining game for me. It, it's what I was hoping for. Yeah, it was a good series. game. It was just a yeah. good game. Not like can't be mad about it. Right. Absolutely. And I mean ultimately, I, I do think uh, you know when you look at this this Leafs forward group, I, I think you're going to see a guy like you know again we didn't see him hit the score sheet other than just one lonely assist on that first nice goal. But I, I think Austin Matthews is going to be more of a difference maker. Same with Marner. And, yeah, exactly. These guys just Tavares. These guys just weren't on the score sheet, uh, you know, in this game much. And so I, I think you'll see them, you know, produce a little bit more here going forward. Which ultimately, in my opinion, is going to give the Leafs the edge here. Um, I, you know, again, goaltending wise, I think right now, I think we're probably going to get uh, just fair play out of both of these guys. I think they're just going to go, you know, tit for tat. It's, you know, I don't think one goaltender when the series is all said and done, you're going to look at one guy and be like, okay, yeah, he definitely was that much better elevated this team yeah. to win because of this guy. I think they're just going to, you know, you can, they're both average goalies at this point. Yeah. 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 I, I, I have the Leafs in six. I'm sticking with Leafs in six. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be a, an, an entertaining series uh, 
and a good one. Like, I mean, no doubt Florida could stretch this. Florida could win this series, and they showed it last night. I think the Leafs have more depth, but uh, I especially like you look at the two guys that scored for them, Nyes and Bunting. Uh, Matthew Nyes has been such a a great pickup there late in the season, a good signing and like coming in. Uh, you know, something I didn't think about with Matthew Nyes. I mean, he so he lost the NCAA championship at Amelie Arena in overtime. Oh, and then yeah. he went and played three overtime games at Amelie Arena with the Leafs, was on the ice for all three Leafs goals in Amelie Arena in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little poetic. So, yeah, yeah. He obviously was like, I'm never losing a game here ever again, <laughs> which he hasn't. Right. He has not. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, yes, Matthew Kachuk is a dangerous player. I... I think really this is your first time kind of seeing a player like that. Like n- there's no other player like him in the league, um, at least in the playoffs or that the Leafs saw N- Tampa Bay doesn't have a player like Matthew Kachuk. Uh, so I, I think you're going to get a lot of film. You're going to get a lot of uh, a, a lot of coaching and figuring out how to shut him down. So this is really, to me, a lot of the series is going to be about, you know, how can Sheldon Keefe, take this and you know how can he help to shut down some of these players like what he can he do strategically uh line matching all that and and not being afraid to keep his big boys away from someone like like him and i think that the you think the the matchup would be like well get marner the defensive magic man who's up for the selkie by the way uh, to you know to go in and, and play up against Matthew Kachuk, but I don't know if that's the best matchup for Marner because <laughs> he's no, just so no. freaking huge. Uh, so and you don't want him to. You also don't want him to get hurt. Uh, so that's he's he's very hard. It's hard because there's really not not anyone that can match up with him in that sense. So it's going to have to come from a team matchup perspective. I'd say maybe like you you can you know you're going to put a guy like Jake McCabe on him. You're going to put put a guy like Luke Shen on him who can physically stand toe-to-toe with him. But that's, you know, obviously from the defensive standpoint, not the forwards. Yeah, I personally, if it was me, I would I would love to see Ryan O'Reilly and Marner team up on the line and go toe-to-toe with, with the Kachuk line because I think Riley can, can play that defensive game very well. He's not as fast where I think Marner's his speed is going to come in handy, but that physicality, I think Ryan O'Reilly is just going to give it to a guy like Kachuk any chance he gets. And I think finding ways to disrupt, disrupt Kachuk, you know, and, and his, his flow, right. His game uh, is going to be key for, for this Tampa Bay team. And, or I'm not, sorry, (laughs) the Toronto team. Uh, I mean, and and then the other part about, you know, this series too, for me, I, I mean, I took Toronto in five, Uh, it's still possible, but I'm, I'm a little bit more doubtful after watching game one, that it's going to happen that way. But um, look, the the Maple Leafs went over four on the power play. Um, That's going to, that's going to change. That won't sustain. Um, and the Panthers, 0 for 1, right? You, you saw Kachuk and Barkov and Sam Bennett out there for a full two minutes of this power play. So, um, again, you got to find ways to disrupt these guys and get them off the ice, uh, especially on special teams because, you know, again, they didn't score, but I think they'll find a way to capitalize. So you just got to gotta get them off their game a little bit. And for me, a guy like Ryan O'Reilly is going to be very key, mm. I think, for that, playing against, you know, Barkov and Kachuk. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, by the way, the Panthers had lost eight straight game ones going into that game so they finally get a game one <laughs> that's a lot of game ones to lose in a row it is. That, i mean that's got a date back to like their the 90s <laughs> yeah i think they i think they said on the broadcast last night it was the first time since 
that uh, Van Breesbrook, you know, Stanley Cup run. Oh, 94. In the, in the Holy jumping. Not the no, 96, 96. Or 96, yeah, sorry, yeah. 96. Yeah, wow. Well, uh, see, it was bound to happen eventually. Uh, all right, well, so you've got the Leafs in five. I have them in six. Uh, you picked the Leafs in five over Tampa, too, and it happened in six, so hopefully that, you know, that just <laughs> stands true. Um well, I think that's it for our show. <laughs> any any final thoughts series. as we uh, as we go into round two? Yeah, I I guess I would love to. Uh, you know, again, we talked about the Panthers Leafs, and we know you're you're a Leafs fan. I guess who's going to be the guy for you that's gonna that's gonna propel the Leafs to to win it in six? If you had to pick one guy, who's going to be the the MVP of this series for you? Well, Morgan Riley was phenomenal in that series against Tampa Bay. And I think that he needs to keep being, I would say he was the least best player. And I think that he needs to continue being uh, an absolute force from the back end and producing offensively, doing what he does best. And I think he's skating better than I've ever seen him. So I think he needs to, uh, he, he looked fine last night, but I think that he can be better. And I think that he is probably the key to unlocking everything else that happens around the Leafs offense when he's out there. I love it. All right. Well, that's our show. You can find us uh, on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Let us know your picks for the first round. And uh, until the next time, we will talk to you later. Enjoy round two.